This is Mesa Verde Voices, a podcast connecting modern people to the people who lived around Mesa Verde hundreds of years ago. And I'm your host, Kayla Woodward. This season, we're addressing some of the most common questions that visitors have at Mesa Verde National Park. And today, we're talking about probably the most commonly asked question. That's certainly a question that I think it's nearly impossible to go through an entire cliff dwelling tour without someone asking that question. Why on earth would they have done this? This is Jill Blumenthal. I am Jill Blumenthal, and I am the education coordinator and volunteer program manager at Mesa Verde National Park. And by why on earth would they have done this, Jill is referring to why would the ancestral Pueblo people have built their magnificent villages in these canyon alcoves? For many years, there was pretty much one story, and that story was that cliff dwellings were built for defense. And I think it's true that they certainly look defensive in that they frequently have limited access, although some of that is viewed through modern people's lens, but some of them truly do have very limited or very difficult access or things like tunnel entries, that sort of thing. But I think it's also true that you can restrict access to a place without necessarily defending it, like European castle style. In the previous two episodes of this season, we've looked at two very significant eras in the history of the ancestral Pueblo people. The first being when their ancestors crossed onto this continent and made their way to the southwest. The second being when they built massive community centers on the mesa tops and in the canyon bottoms of the Mesa Verde region. And in order for us to try to understand perhaps why some groups of the ancestral Pueblo people decided to build villages in the cliffs, it's important to consider what was going on in the landscape at the time. As with most things that we do, there's a lot of complexity to what was going on at the time. This is Donna Glowacki. My name is Donna Glowacki, and I am an archaeologist, and I am also an associate professor at the University of Notre Dame in the Anthropology Department. You may remember Donna's voice from previous episodes this season. Donna has done extensive work in the Mesa Verde region, both within the national park and in the surrounding valleys. There were a lot of changes that were happening, and in the mid-1100s in particular, there was a very severe, what is called a mega drought, that had dramatic effects across the southwest. And following that drought period, that's when we start to see some changes in settlement locations that are moving towards canyon rims and into these alcoves and in part perhaps closer to to water sources. So with respect to the cliff dwellings, I think Spruce Tree House is probably a, a good example because we know a lot more about how that cliff dwelling grew over time. Spruce Tree House is one of the largest cliff dwellings within Mesa Verde National Park located in Spruce Canyon, just below the Park Museum and the headquarters area. There are nine kivas in Spruce Tree House, which means that there was likely eight or nine household groups living within the village. And based on what we know there, it looks like there were a couple families that moved into the alcove first. And then over time, they were joined by several more families. And then ultimately, a couple families joined at the end after, you know, after about 1240 or so. What's interesting about the cliff dwellings is that you might think the village was constructed all at once, and the villagers all sort of moved in together at the same time. However, and Spruce Tree House is a great example of this, 
it looks like the movement into these villages happened over time. It's difficult to know, like, were they living on the mesa top and then just came down in the alcove? That's likely what happened in some cases. But in other cases, based on some of the architectural features that we can see in the rooms and the kivas, it suggests that these people had maybe a, a slightly different history and were coming from farther away and moving into this area and into these alcoves. You know, I think it's really important to keep in mind that movement and migration was a really ongoing process. And so some of these people could have been moving from other parts of the region and joining the communities up on the Mesa Verde Cuesta. So when exactly did the move into the alcoves begin? Uh, the time frame for moving into the cliff dwellings seems to be right at perhaps the very late 1100s but most commonly around 1200 and throughout the 1200s. So the cliff dwellings were really occupied for maybe two generations, uh, in some cases maybe as many as three, but they really weren't lived in as long as some of the other um, villages in, in the area. And at this time on the Mesa top, you're seeing a lot of deteriorating environmental conditions. So the landscape was pretty well deforested. This is Chris McAllister. I'm Chris McAllister, and I'm an archaeologist at the Mesa Verde. Remember, the ancestral Pueblo people had been building their homes and communities in this area for over 600 years at this point. And they had established a strong foundation, as many cultures around the world had, in farming. It would have looked much different than today because of the ancestral Puebloans clearing the land for fields and agriculture and also using the trees for building and fuel. So you had a lot of devegetation going on and as the trees and plants were removed over time, you get more water runoff on the mesa tops. And one of the consequences of that is the aquifers are recharging and the seeps and springs have increased flow. The seeps and springs that Chris is talking about here are the very reason the alcoves exist in the first place. So the alcoves were formed where the sandstone meets the shale. Because sandstone is a porous rock, as rain and melting snow reach the ground, the water is able to slowly trickle down through the sandstone until it reaches the next geologic feature, called shale. If you hike through any of the canyons at Mesa Verde, you're bound to notice this layer. And sometimes you'll actually be able to see moisture there. Or perhaps first you'll notice insects buzzing around, enjoying some of this precious resource. And if the conditions are right, over time, this trickling down water cycle wears away at the sandstone layer and an alcove forms. So with fewer trees and vegetation on the mesa tops, the seeps and springs in the alcoves would have been more active, containing more water more often. And that is one of the things that made the alcoves desirable. So with these notes about the environment in mind, that brings us to the first of the many theories about the move into the cliffs. Why they started moving into the alcoves, for me, I think one of them really does have to relate to having protection and access to water. Because of the timing of when people were moving into the cliff dwellings, it seems to be in part a response to those really dire times between like 1130 to about 1180, but especially the 1130 to the 1150 interval when the mega drought was 
so bad that it became much more important by the end of the 1100s to know exactly you know, where your water was going to come from and have connections to the springs that were a bit more direct. So there's direct access to water, plus in the alcoves, you can also benefit from catching the water that pours over the rim in those waterfalls. A lot of the alcove buildings have active seep springs either inside the building, balcony house and longhouse both have active seep springs, or they have active seep springs very nearby. And building either on top of or very close to reliable water sources was something that was happening throughout the Mesa Verde region during the 1200s. We have a lot of water control going on, construction of tech dams and terraces to enhance the agricultural production. And many of the alcoves are located pretty close to these water control systems. Some of the reasons are harder to see in the archaeological record, but have to do with socio-political organization, different complex community interactions, as well as controlling access to the water and to the resources. Some of the cliff dwellings were built and organized in such a way that there were dividing walls within the village, closing off public access to some of the site, and even enclosing walls around some seeps or springs. You see that in a lot of the larger alcoves, Cliff Palace, Mug House, and potentially Spring House too. So there's definitely a control of the resource going on as well. And this building practice is happening in Mesa Top Villages located in the valleys below Mesa Verde as well. We see villages that were built where they basically located this large village right on top of a spring and then in some cases built a site enclosing wall around that village. So Sand Canyon, again, is a good example of that. So you see the same kind of controlling access to the resource that you also see in the alcove sites. And this would be just kind of a necessity, I think, as population is increasing and the resources are depleting, you need to get organized and control access to those precious water sources. And sort of going hand in hand with this theory surrounding water is a theory dealing with access to farmland. Building in a cliff preserves prime farmland. People would have wanted to preserve some of that nice, open, flat land on the mesa top for farming because that's where the windblown soils were creating the best farmland. And perhaps they wanted to really maximize the availability of that farmland. Additionally, there's a question of, do you want to walk to your water source or do you want to walk to your farmland? So in other words, when people are living on the mesa tops, they're walking down to get water from seep springs, which in Mesa Verde proper were located primarily below the rim of the canyon walls. They would have been walking to get their water and then take it back to their villages. During that late time period when they were living in the cliffs, they were living closer to their water and walking to where their farmland was. Probably neither one was perfect, <laughs> but I, I honestly do think that, you know, after a 50-year drought, the water sources would have become a very high priority and potentially even claiming those water sources. So we've got access to water, access to maximized farmland. Now this leads to our next theory of food storage. And I think as populations grew during the 1200s, people may have also wanted to protect stored food supply. Food storage would be easier to protect from 
different animals and pests in, in the alcoves. You still have critters living there, especially uh, pack rats, but I think it would be easier to seal them up and keeping them away from certain pests in the alcoves. And we've got evidence of burning in the in the storage rooms to to eradicate insects as well, which is interesting. Now, aside from these ideas of defending or restricting access to a resource, there's another theory that's a little more logistical. It certainly saves on building materials. <laughs> Part of your building is already built. You've got building stone right there in the alcoves. The sandstone fractures and, and chunks of sandstone fall off. So I think when they started moving into the alcoves, there was probably a lot of broken stone laying right there on the ground, easy to grab and start shaping it to build their rooms. Maybe your back wall is already built or maybe your ceiling is already built. And so depending on the size and shape of the alcove, you certainly would have needed fewer stone blocks and fewer roofing logs to build your building. And beyond these logistical benefits of building in the alcoves, these spaces require less maintenance and upkeep, which is still evident today. Cliff dwellings are protected from the elements, so whatever you build in there is less subject to weathering. And you know, maybe it was all more about preference, because during the time that people were living down in the cliff dwellings, there were still neighboring villages on the mesa tops, such as Farview Sites. There are advantages and disadvantages to any place you live. There are a lot of advantages to moving into the alcoves in terms of better water and more defensible areas. But you also had, you know, a much more rigorous trek up to the mesa top or down into the bottom of the canyon. So you can kind of put yourself in their place and what's important to you, what kind of lifestyle do you prefer might dictate whether you want to stay up on the mesa or or move down into the canyon. The large cliff dwellings, like Cliff Palace and Longhouse, are often likened to apartment living. You've got a lot of people living all in close quarters in, you know, what's a fairly large alcove, but it's still kind of a tight space when you, you're talking a hundred or more people living there. But it's important to remember that some of the alcoves were small and really just were one or two households and you could still have your space and have your privacy if you lived in one of these smaller alcove sites. And the villages and small habitations on the Mesa top were similar. You had large village sites up there, then you also had small habitations. So you had different options available, whether you lived on the Mesa top or in the alcove canyon communities. Previously, Jill mentioned that for many years, there was pretty much one story about the cliff dwellings. Cliff dwellings were built for defense. So far, we've talked about theories that deal with this idea of defense, more in the terms of restricting or securing access to a resource, like water. But there are also clues in the architecture of some cliff dwellings that seem to indicate restricting access to the village itself. They're more defensible. I mean, not all the alcoves are extremely defensible or appear to be built that way. But when you just think about their location, where they are in these canyon environments with steep cliffs and, and deep canyons, especially on the west side of the park, you know, these are natural barriers that would restrict access to the area. The way that some of the alcoves are constructed with loopholes being one of the features where these holes are sometimes directed toward a transportation trail or the most common access route to get into a portion of the canyon. 
So they seem to be oriented in a way that they can see who's approaching. Also, ladders are a pretty common way to access cliff dwellings, and these could be pulled up if they needed to. But that doesn't mean that the cliff dwellings couldn't be used in that more European defense sense as well. And then there is the potential for the alcoves being a protective space, especially if there was uh, a lot of conflict that was happening. We do know in the mid-1100s there is a period from evidence from outside of the park that there seemed to be more violence that was happening. So perhaps moving into the alcoves was, you know, the people wanting protection from these perceived threats that may be affecting them. We definitely see that in the timeline that we're talking about. You see violence increasing as you've got a period of drought and you're putting stress on the population in terms of increased population and decreased resources. You're starting to have competition for territory and for those precious water resources. Then you've got, you know, more people coming into the area. You're seeing evidence of raiding, and it's, it's a stressful time period for sure. Archaeologists have been doing research on this question for decades now, and this research is able to provide some very meaningful insights into what life was like on the Mesa over 700 years ago. As we've talked about previously this season, the oral histories and oral traditions of the descendants of Mesa Verde are crucial to consider in order to understand life during the era of the cliff dwellings. The Pueblo people are very practical and very intellectual. This is TJ. You may remember her voice from the previous episodes this season. My name is Thelma Jean Atsi. I go by TJ Atsi. I am Laguna Pueblo, and I'm a former park ranger at Mesa Verde National Park. So I asked TJ for her insights as to why her ancestors would have chosen to build villages in the alcoves at Mesa Verde. Part of that, I I think, had to do with the the change in climate due to drought and lack of lack of water. I'm sure on many occasions that the sun can be pretty overbearing and needing to find a cooler place because those alcoves are, you know, nice and cool during the summertime and warm and cozy during the winter. Just to how they're they're situated throughout the Mesa top on either Mesa at Mesa Verde. It also, I think it brought a more together home type of type of feeling. I personally do not believe that it was used for protection against any type of enemies or anything like that. And the time that the Mesa Verde Pueblo people lived, if there were any any type of enemies or dissatisfaction or disharmony, it would have been among the people themselves. And I'm sure that among leadership, among clanship, there were disagreements, there was conflict, but I think that comes with any any people, any culture. But I think that it was just a, a means of protection against the elements themselves, and it brought the people even closer together to be able to do things as one instead of as individuals. One more reason that certain ancestral Pueblo groups may have decided to move down into the alcoves could have been as a way of kind of returning back into the earth. As TJ said back in episode one, the Laguna people emerged from Mother Earth at Mesa Verde itself. 
I think that would be agreeable um, amongst the Pueblo uh, Pueblo people today. We as Pueblo people believe everything will return to Mother Earth when it's time for you to to physically, you know, leave this Earth. When it's time for those structures to fall, collapse, crumble, they go back to Mother Earth because that's what was supposed to happen. It's part of that that circle that every returns back to its original spot. Everything goes back to Mother Earth to be reused, replenished, you know, replenished again. Really, ultimately, people do things for reasons. They, they make decisions for reasons. And often, in fact, usually, those are not simple reasons. People don't usually do wide-scale social changes for just one reason. There are often multiple factors at play. So the reasons for people moving into the cliffs were probably multiple and probably complicated. And, you know, for them, it was the right decision. And I don't know that it'll ever necessarily make full sense to us today. They, They certainly had their reasons. If you remember back to episode one of this season, Jesse Toon talked about how migrations are a shared human experience that spans all of human history. Humans have crossed land masses and oceans using boats and trains and cars. And our reasons for doing so, no matter what culture we belong to, are always complex. When you look at modern migrations, say 20th century migrations, you know, none of those were simple either. <laughs> when we talk about westward expansion, it's like, well, why, why did people move west? Well, <laughs> they probably had many, many, many individual reasons and also sort of group level decisions. And why are people moving from industrial regions of the country today into other places where it's easier to make a living and that those industrial societies that thrived in the first half of the 20th century are no longer thriving. So people move away from some of those eastern cities perhaps that that would have been the heyday in the say 1950s. Mesa Verde Voices is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. It is created in collaboration with Mesa Verde National Park and funded by the Mesa Verde Museum Association with a matching grant from the National Park Service. Our show is produced and edited by me, Kayla Woodward, and our music is by David Morella. Whether you're currently visiting Mesa Verde National Park, planning to visit, or simply wanting to learn more about this very special place, check out the Mesa Top Loop audio tour put together by Mesa Verde National Park to hear more about the different periods of life on the landscape at Mesa Verde. Download or stream this multi-part tour now on Apple Podcasts or visit nps.gov forward slash M-E-V-E to find a transcript. You can also find that link on our website, mesaverdevoices.org, as well as links to additional resources from this episode. Special thanks to Jonathan Till, Mark Varian, Scott Ortman, Spencer Burke, and Lyle Belenqua for your help and research for this episode. And thank you to Donna Glowacki, Jill Blumenthal, Chris McAllister, and TJ Atsey for sharing your insights with us. 
Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And while you're there, leave us a review. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening.